Podcast World with Shake and Chad Building back at you. another episode, another musical episode. It might not all be music, but it's going to be a lot of music, and I mean freaking good music. If y'all would have got to experience what I've gotten to experience the last 48 hours, you'd be what they call on cloud number nine. I think that's what they call it, and I'm not even really sure why they call it cloud number nine. Maybe some of my guests can help me out with that today. Today's episode of This Life Ain't For Everybody is brought to you by the one and only, one of the most iconic brands of all time in the history of not just America, but the world, Jack Daniels, Lynchburg, Tennessee, Tennessee Sour Mash Whiskey. We've just received our barrel. We're part of the Jack Daniels Barrel Program. If you need more details on it, check them out at jackdaniels.com and learn about the single barrel program where you can go in and do a tasting and pick a barrel, and then you will receive every bottle out of that barrel and you can build on it. You can do it every year. If you got a business, it's a great way to give away awesome gifts to your clients, to your employees. Remember, never allow underage drinking and always enjoy Jack Daniels responsibly. We're so humbled and proud to have them part of not just our podcast, but our TV shows, our social media efforts, and so many live events like the one that just took place for my 30, 40, 30, 30 <laughs> second, 30, 30 second. What, what can we leave it at, Adam Hood? What can we leave it at? Um, 46 I am. I turned 46. If you can stay if you can stay 39, then you're doing good. If you can if you can keep it under 40. Hanging out with me, Adam, do you feel like I'm over 39 or 40? Not at all. But see, I am too. You and I are the same age. Yeah, but so, we're the same. We roll it. I feel like we're young spirits. Old souls and young spirits. Uh, see, I like that. Um, you guys met Danny. Right. My girlfriend. Yeah. I can't believe I have a girlfriend. Um, <laughs> Good for you. Ben can't believe it either. He's like, you better not F this one up. Um, <laughs> I'm pretty excited, to be honest with you. She's cool, huh? She's really damn cool. But she's telling me the other day how she's younger than I am, but she's saying that she's like a 54-year-old gal. She goes, I'm a I'm a 30-year-old young lady and a 50, you know, and a, with this 57-year-old gal soul. Right. Because she is an old soul, right? And that's what I love about her, but... I think you can stay that way. Today's guest, I just gave away. Obviously, you've heard Adam Hood here before. We're going to tell you what we just witnessed, like I said, the last 48 hours for my birthday celebration, my brother's girlfriend, Nicole's birthday celebration, and my girlfriend, Danny's celebration. And with this also is the one and only Ben Ratliff, who he's, he wears too many hats in Nashville, more hats than I have on my rack. And the last time I counted, it was 438, 438 hats I used to cover up my bald head. Baldness is a shame to me. I just, I just can't get used to it. I've been bald. <laughs> since I was 24 and it still su- surprises the living shit out of me every time I take my hat off or look in the mirror. Whoa! How did that happen? I Adam just realized Hood. you were bald when I walked in. <laughs> I forgot. Did? You forgot? <laughs> See, I wear them hats so much. Um, the, the reason y'all came out here Obviously, we're friends, but I mean, you guys got on a plane and came out for my birthday party mm-hmm. to be a part of it and to play it. And what did you think of it, Adam Hood? What did you think of the setting, the the environment, the aura, the uh, what's what's a mu- musical name for what that is? Is that like the ambiance? What's a musical term that goes into the setting or the personality of a venue? Yeah, I guess it would be something to where it's kind of you're setting ambiance. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, as far as the whole environment of it, I mean, I thought it was great. You know, I mean, it was it was a, a really family is a, you could tell that everybody was kind of like family around here, you know, that people were comfortable being here, that you make people comfortable being here, that, you know, you guys should know how to entertain folks. I mean, you know, we've been here a couple of days 
and which is really nice. And I, I appreciate you letting us do it because, you know, we're kind of camped out at your house. <laughs> you know what I mean? I love and it. So, well, that's what, and that's what I'm saying. I mean, it's, it's something that, that you seem to enjoy, and that's that says a lot. And you feel the same way, Ben? Pretty cool venue? Dude, it's, it's awesome. I mean, I, this is, what, I think, the third time I've been out here, and it, every time it's just a, a, a more elaborate experience. It, it's always great, you know, but, like, I mean, we could, you and I could sit around and do nothing anyway and have a blast, but just, I mean, the lighting and the stage over the bar, the pool, like, I mean, it was just, like, I mean, my wife's just been freaking out about, like, pictures that she's seen, She's and everybody's, like, just, like, that is so cool. So, like, it's, as a, a visual entertainment factor, it's stellar. Um, as a personal experience, it's just, it's bar none. It's, like, it's just great. It's comfortable. It feels like home, and it's a good time. Adam, you were telling me the other day, and I truly appreciate the words, Ben. I've been trying to work hard to make it awesome. But Adam said something yesterday when we were on a little R&R in the pool about, like, I've become kind of snooty when it comes to music. He didn't say this. I'm. This is where my question lied with Adam yesterday. So I've become kind of snooty to where when I hold an event like this, I almost start to develop an attitude against people that don't give the artist their full attention the entire time and listen to the lyrics and listen to the words. You know, you go to a Tortuga or a big jam and you're going to have people raising hell and raising beers and raising their voices, right? Well, there's a cool song right there. Raising hell, raising their beer and raising their voices. That's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what I mean? It's like, it's like, uh, you can't control that part of it. And you educated me yesterday that you almost like it when they're not just stiff bodies or just bodies standing there. You like the aura of stuff of action going on around you. But as a whole, you also saw that the crowd was a hundred percent into the show. How did you explain it again? I don't really remember. I I do. I mean, it's, I guess the, the point is this, you know, I don't feel like that, that you should be forced to listen to my music. I want you to want to listen to it. You know what I mean? And that's that, I guess that's, kind of the thing i mean here you know and and granted i i noticed that that people weren't just listening to my music that that because you you know you guys sit around and play these uh songs at the pool and stuff like that or, you know and I, I see them on your social medias and stuff like that people recognize these songs so so not only are they are they listening to it they're finally putting a, a face to some of these songs that they've been hearing here at the at the pool for the past couple of weeks months you know yeah and so, so many people oh, go ahead i'm sorry no no that's and, and so that's that's the cool thing about it like that it's just you know you don't have to you don't have to make anybody do it if, if you can make your songs good enough to where they'll want to do it that's the point so i mean that's and that's kind of why you know a lot of those the, the rooms that are kind of and i get it i understand why they they do that just because people want to keep noise down to a minimum i guess there are folks that that don't mind it but a little bit of buzz don't don't kill me you know a little bit doesn't kill you yeah a lot of people walked up to me during the show and just were like, there he is. And that they, they were showing me that they went and, you know, searched it, shazammed right. it, went, went and downloaded it on their phone to have it. And we've talked a lot over the last year about getting this music out there. Hmm. And I've seen a huge influx in people wanting real, like real. What was that? Nothing. <laughs> ben? 
tell the audience what that was. It was brought to you by Anheuser-Busch. <laughs> Bud Light. Bud Seltzer. Light Seltzer. <laughs> <laughs> I just said it's bought by Jack Daniels, and he's sitting over here drinking a Bud Light. Well, we are partners with Bud Light, and uh, those seltzers are good. He calls them cheerleader beers. That's right. Cheerleader beers. Do you feel like a cheerleader when you drink them? You look they, like a cheerleader. They do kind of make me a little cheery. <laughs> well, before I go back to my story about getting the music out there, do you recall the story that Ben told in the swimming pool yesterday about his pectoral muscles during a certain phase no, of his life? No, I didn't hear about that. Oh, what? talking about his, oh, his, yeah, what his, his bodybuilding. My too hard to handle <laughs> debut. Yeah, I, yeah. He walked out to the Black my theme song. Too hard to handle. How's the music go? Ben, da, da, da. Yeah. You want me to take my shirt off? <laughs> and he walks out bouncing his pegs like that dude in all the Adam Sandler movies, the black guy that's the host of uh, America's Got Talent. Now. He's always bouncing his pecs up and down. I don't, Terry something. Terry something. Oh, yeah. But, Terry Crews. Yeah, Terry Crews. Getting the music out there, it's happening. Like, it's yeah. in my world, it is. Yeah. Like, I don't know what, what growth you see. Like, you made a comment yesterday about. It's it's nice to get out of the regular routine of Texas where you're going to be coming on Ray Texan someday and you're going to you have a, a huge audience and following in Georgia and the southeast. Mm-hmm. I think it's badass that you come out. You played with Miranda out here before, but I think it's awesome to see those people light up. And I can't tell you how many people said, you know, I, I'm all about the lyric. Mm. But the number one thing that I heard about the, you was your voice. Yeah. Everybody kept saying, holy shit, I didn't expect that mm. out of him. You know, like, yeah. wow. And, I, and when you hear when you hear the studio version of Front Porch Thing. I thought it sounds like Otis Redding. Like yeah. it sounds so bluesy. Thank you. And it's amazing that that, that the instrument you were blessed with. Right. Is it? Is it taught? Did you learn it? Did you get educated in coaching or voice classes? Or did it just come from just, you know, at an early age where you just started honing your skills as a vocalist? I mean, yeah, I think it's just the Lord gives you gifts, man. I mean, there's I mean, there's no one in my family that can carry a tune in a bucket. I mean, no aunts, no uncles, cousins, nobody. I'm the only one that that sings. And uh, and so. Um, yeah, it just kind of came out of my mouth. Now, granted, I, I do, you know, I, I do have a, a vocal coach and, and you know, I, there through 25, 30 years of doing this, you, you kind of wear your voice out a little bit, you know? And so I try to take it as seriously as I can. And it's really more for preservation than it is for anything else, you know? So, but yeah, I mean, I, I appreciate you saying that. It's, it's, it's one of the things that I probably, uh, I would say I would say I'm the weakest at, but I think a lot of people think that that you know my delivery is 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 good, and so I appreciate that. You're saying personally, you feel that it's that your weakest part of your musical career is your actual uh, voice. I don't know. Sometimes I just sing flat, man, and it just drives me nuts. You know what I mean? Like there's just a lot of things that I would do differently. But there's a lot of things about my guitar playing I do differently. There's better songs I'd write. You know, I'm always going to be critical of myself just because. Well, if you if you don't if you don't learn, then you've stopped learning, and you know you stop learning, you stop growing, you stop growing. That's that's decay, you know. What about you, Ben? You think he has a pretty voice when you hear him, even though he's a good friend and you're his manager? He looks out, looks at me all. all no, I actually got I got questions, and I was like curious if I can ask Adam questions. Yeah, I know it's your podcast. I don't want to take over, but um, no, I mean I, I've I've been a fan of Adam for years, and um, I. I I remember the first time I met him at Carnival when I was with, with I was up there with Brent one night and he was rehearsing late one night and you walked in I don't know mm. if you remember that yep and you not you not sat on the porch and smoked cigarettes yeah um, yeah while they were rehearsing but um 
but I'm, I've always been a fan, and, and, and Adam to me, and and Brent has uh, concurred with this too. That like, I mean, Adam's a, is is a legend in the making, if not already in some people's minds. But <clears throat> my question for you is, what age did you start playing guitar? Number one, yeah. Number two is. What music made you want to play guitar? Like, what did you cut your teeth on when you were grinding out learning how to play and sing? I was young when I started playing guitar. I mean, I'd say probably maybe twelve. Okay, I'd say I was. I was probably. I was the first time my parents gave it a shot. I was considerably younger than that. Like, probably a little bit too young. Yeah. six, seven. That's a little. I mean, that's if. if Kids can start learning at that age, but it, I wasn't ready for it. So 12, uh, going into seventh grade is when I started taking it seriously and um, started learning, taking lessons, guitar lessons and stuff. And so I started playing in church, in which, you know, like if you ask anybody from the state of Alabama where they got started. What kind of church? Uh, Baptist church. Okay. Yeah. Is there another kind in Alabama? Uh, not many of them. I don't know. Well, in the South, there's, there's, there is a handful of different ones. There's, yeah. uh, there's Pentecostal. That's true. Which that gets exciting. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. There's Baptist and there's Methodist, and, and that's, that's pretty much the, the prominent three, right? Yeah. My daughter goes to a Presbyterian school. There's Presbyterian. So I better too, say yeah. that. Yeah. That's right. There's, are, there's they all, are they all branches of Christianity? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 It's just the, the only difference is the level of excitement. And That's Presbyterian right. is the most boring, according to your voice. Um, <laughs> they are the most conservative. Yeah, I'd say yeah, ritual conservative. <laughs> to, to just to, just to, to not use for another word, you know, to use another word. But um, which is the most outlandish? Baptists, they're the ones who get after it, right? I'd say the Episcopal or the uh, the the Pentecostals are. Probably. Well, I mean, you remember you remember the podcast we well I wasn't on but you did with Michael Waddell and we were talking about down south they have liquor stores with with drive up windows yeah those are for the Baptist <laughs> <laughs> did you say that in there yeah well, that's, we talked about it you talked about it I remember that yeah so so you start playing when you're 12 legitimately and is it because did you have anybody in your family that played the guitar or was no. it based off of your daddy's records it was I mean I think it was just one of those things where like I would I, if, if it was shaped like a guitar I'd pick it up and play with it until it, I I beat the tar out of it. You know what I mean? I mean, I used to like make guitars when I was a kid, you know, just anything to, to look like a guitar. It's kind of what I always wanted to do. And so, so my parents got sick of me using up all their cardboard boxes and, and decided to just go ahead and buy me one. And, uh, I, I took lessons once didn't really take. And then, uh, seventh grade, I, we moved into a house behind David Sellers, who was my best friend in high school. And he and I took guitar lessons from the same guy. And so I would go on Tuesday and learn a song and he would go on Wednesday and learn a song. And then we would teach each other the songs that we learned. So it was kind of double duty, you know? So we were, it was a crash course in guitar for the, from seventh grade until I graduated from high school. Now were, were these songs, did the teacher, um, tell you you need to learn these songs or did you go and say hey i want to learn yeah this song? i man i had a great i had a great guitar teacher his name was robert orr and uh he was like went to school with my dad and he taught a guitar class in high school so i had like there was a guitar ensemble in my high school that's cool yeah yeah it was really cool and so but yeah that was the, that was the beauty in what he did like he, he would teach you some fundamentals like you would go do some fundamental stuff but then you would he just he said just bring in at the time bring in tapes of, of the song you want to learn and I mean you could bring in anything from you know the stuff on Van Halen 1984 Welcome to the Jungle uh, anything you know Credence and that was the cool thing about the guitar class on Fridays that's what we would do like he would spend there was you know guitar one two and three and so you know guitar three was more advanced well so 
all the classes would get together on Friday, and he would say, "Just bring your tapes in," and we would sit down and learn all kinds of stuff. I learned, yeah, I learned um, looking out my back door and uh, welcome to the jungle in the same day. Like I learned the licks off. Well, credence and GNR in yeah, the same man. day, man. That's yeah. a strong day. So it was really cool. You know, I kind of got a, I, I got a lot from learning those little riffs. I, like I said, I had a great guitar teacher. And so that started, like, my mom got me a gig at this place called The Breezeway in Opelika, and I played one Friday and Saturday night a month. Did you have a momager? No, uh-uh, uh-uh. Okay. I think they were just kind of surprised at my abilities. You know what I mean? Like, they didn't really... My dad was a forester, you know? <laughs> <laughs> my mom sold real estate. Like, they, they didn't really plan for what are, what, a creative what, person. What level of guitarist are you? In your opinion, I know you're humble, but be honest with me. Like, is Willie Nelson a 10 when it comes to picking an acoustic guitar? Because when he picks, he seems like he gets after it, and he's but he's got a very distinct sound. I mean, he's not like he the guys don't feel keggy or anything like that. But I mean, yeah, he's a very unique guitar player, and and you know, but yeah, I always say two things. Number one, to quote Tom Petty, I'm a great rhythm guitar player. And number two, to I mean, this is my own thing. I'm I'm I'll never be anything other than Adam Hood's guitarist. You know what I mean? Like I'm a great you're not Adam Hood's not gonna find a better guitar player, but that's really the only gig that I'm good for is just being Adam Hood's guitar player, you know. If that makes I, I couldn't go be anybody else's. I could, I guess, but I'm just not into it like that, you know. I mean, there's a lot of well, you know, it's it's, it's the same thing as like you know in in the outdoor world. Like there, there are details to, to decoys and things like that that you could. There's just a wealth of knowledge out there, and the same thing with guitars. You know, there's a wealth of knowledge when it comes to gear, when it comes to the right guitar, when it comes to what you're playing, what you're playing through, your style, your techniques, and then there's the theory involved. You know what I mean? Like there's all the the tech part, and then there's also the musical part of it. And I just you know, that's that's not where I devote my time and energy. I devote that focus to songwriting. So when you say the technical part of it and you being Adam Hood's guitar player, mm-hmm. was it easier for you to play the guitar Friday night and Saturday night, mainly Saturday night, knowing that you had that Cajon player with you, the, <laughs> the, the second one that came in? <laughs> Listen, there are, certain, there are times in your life when you just sit back and let it happen and know that it's going to be more entertaining for you than it is for the person, the, the audience, or the person actually playing the said, said cajon. And, uh, man, there, and there are also just some people in this world that think they're really good at something, and, and they may or may not be, but... But, but I they play songs. Out but they play songs like Sublime. <laughs> it bands. They play bands that are, that play. She had no idea like what Sublime. kind of cr- critical level that she had was uh, entering herself into when it came to Sublime. <laughs> you know, like I mean, like that's a strong. Yeah, you don't just say we play songs like Sublime. You could say I play songs like Row, Row, Row Your Boat. But like when she started playing, I looked at, around like. What in what? Yeah, and so and and that's what I was, <laughs> I was telling Clay and them. Like you know, when Leith goes into the second verse of of uh, of the Doobie Brothers song, I'm like, man, this is it. All right, we've committed to this. Like he's not stopping till the song's <laughs> up. Like you know, you, you could bail now. I mean, because he was Leith was in and out of keys, and so and like <laughs> like he by him being in and out of keys, I completely lost my place. Like I started playing. I think I was playing different chords, but it, it, and that's the beauty. It didn't even matter because we were both paying so much attention to this. I mean, super good, super good. 
cajon player sitting front and center. What is a cajon, Adam? I don't know what it, I don't know what the damn thing. I'll is. tell you what it is. What is it? It's a it's a daggum box with a hole in the back with some guitar strings taped on the inside that make it rattle. So That's that, all it is. It's just real thin wood with like six strings, kind of mounted somewhat loosely on the inside of it and a hole on the back to let so the sound is, come out. That it's operate like a snare, basically. Is yeah. What those, yeah. Is but it, it the, also, the, the hole creates bo- bass and you can hit it at different places and it makes different sounds. But Is the wood on the sides stronger than the wood on the front and back? Because you sit on them. Yeah. It, well, you sit on the, them and you bend I think over. they're different. Structurally, yeah. it's got to be pretty stout um, because you do sit on them. But it's, I mean... It's probably eighth inch wood. You can press on, like, like you can press on the top of it, and you can feel that there's. I mean, on the side, like yeah, the, the side sides that have got to be thinner can, than the top, yeah, but it's got to have some structure gear. in there. But it's super thin wood on the sides for sure, because like with the stuff that they beat on, like if you hit it with your like balled up fist, it has a, a deeper sound than if you just slap it with your hand. Um, so you can, I mean, it's it's designed to make different sounds, but it's super thin. But people sit on them, so they got to be structurally sound. But, like, yeah, I mean, you can tap on it, and it's pretty loud, though. Like, the, the wood is really thin, and if it was thick wood, you wouldn't hear that, you know? So the talent of a cajon player is going to be knowing where to hit it on that board, well, knowing what part of your hand to hit it with. I mean, because sometimes you're playing with the palms and the fatty tissue. Sometimes you're playing with your fingertips. Sometimes you're just doing it with each finger and you're doing weird stuff like that, like yeah. a drummer would do with like a double bounce or a triple bounce off and, and trying to keep the beat. But, you know, something like that. Right. But you can do all that on the cajon and the vibrations of the, the, the way that those guitar strings are moving on the inside of that wood. That's what's getting the resiliency and the sound out of it is what you're saying. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and, and sometimes people just beat the hell out of them. Like a well, bongo. Yeah, it kind of. I mean, it's, yeah. sort of, it's I, I think it's kind of to work like a percussive instrument. What was she playing it like? Uh, I don't, she was I'm beating really the hell sure. out of it. I'm not really sure. <laughs> I'm not really sure. Her own style. <laughs> she was definitely beating the hell out of yeah. it. Yeah. She was good. She was slapping it. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I thought it was about to be like a Motley Crue show until when she had her hands raised. I was like, yes, this is going to happen. And then, then all hell broke. Yeah, uh, Tyson <laughs> sent me a, a little clip of it tonight, today, and I sent it to Paul McDonald. It's like, hey, Let man. Let me see it. Uh, Wait, hey man, what what did you say to Paul? I told Paul, I said, I heard you had a cajon player. Was this the same one? (laughs) That's pretty good. What did Paul say? It was not. He said it was not. The response was ha ha. (laughs) Well, that's a shame. Y'all should get her next time Paul plays. (laughs) (laughs) Oh God. So the party was great. The crowd was great. The music was great. The food was great. Was there anything that, that you would change? What about my buddy's speech, Scott Chalene, when he was making fun of throwing a birthday party like that for just 46? <laughs> what? Do what? Were you not out there before you, you went You may have missed that. It was I, funny. Heard the, I heard the coach's speech. He goes, uh, Scott was the first one to speak. Okay. He's like, you know, me and Chad and I are the same age, and my birthday was just a couple weeks ago, and it was me and my wife, and my two kids and we had dinner <laughs> like that and he's like it wasn't anything like this <laughs> it's like but now that i know it's a thing to throw birthdays like this but it's not a big one then i might start in on that or something. but this whole speech was 15 minutes of just razzing me for having a birthday party to turn 46 yeah your, your 46th birthday turned into the roast of chad belting for a minute <laughs> yeah for a minute. I, I, I think rightfully so though that's what i think i know that was what ben was looking at the ben was looking forward to you just getting up there and getting sizzled <laughs> <Just> and <hybrid laughs> like my college coach telling everybody that he called me the biggest effing recruiting mistake 
mistake that he ever made. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I I wish I could say I paid him for that, but no, he did that on his own. Like oh, that he's was, told that, that was story. Payworthy. He's told that story so many times. Speaking engagements for me, he's awesome, ain't he? Yeah, he's amazing. Seventy-seven years old up there, just cutting up. Just, I mean, he was yeah, really cool. Firing really on nice extra guy. cylinders. He was badass. Fred Dallimore, coach. We call him Coach. So the big news though is. You just got done at Capricorn Studios, and you recorded this new album that we touched on in our last in our last uh, podcast. But it's getting closer now. You guys have narrowed it down to the songs you're going to put on it. Mm-hmm. There's one song on there called "The Harder Stuff" that we've heard on the podcast. I think today we kind of just talk about some of the lyrics, some of the songs, some of the late, you know, the the way we produced them. You know, we I was there in spirit. That's right. I was there in spirit, um, but. Is it different than Adam Hood albums in the past? Is it different than the albums because of the lyrics more out front, like Brent's new album? Is it more geared? Is it more upbeat than most albums you've done? Why is it different if it is? And what can what can the fans expect? I think that that as far I, you know, I, I I don't think I've ever taken it any approach to it no two records are the same with mine you know what i mean like you can there's no there's there hasn't been any consistency in anything i've done as far as the recording process goes and i think that's cool you know um and and so with this record uh there were a lot of things that were different number one this is the first time i've recorded uh out of nashville number and so that made things different this is also the first time that that we uh kind of went in with with a band and as opposed to, you know, session players or, or just, you know, the studio guys like like Charlie and Britt and Richard are, are a band, you know. And so I went and recorded a record with a band. So that was that was cool. And so you can hear a lot of their stuff in, in, in the record, which is awesome. It's what, it was what we intended. And, you know, this is a, I had to trust Brent with a lot of things. I had to, you know, I mean, there were there was a time on every song when he said, trust me, sing it like this. And and I would and and so I mean I think I've gone into the studio with someone that that knows what they want to hear from me and has, has done their best to produce it you know and I I mean I, I think he did I guess we'll find out but you know I mean <laughs> I mean but you know I I know that that he had intention on what he's always wanted to hear me make as far as records go and so uh, I think we made it. So when you say that Brent Cobb produces the record, mm-hmm. what does a producer do on record? Does he actually say he he might go through your library like he did? And he picks the songs. You don't have a say in it, or do you? Or do you kind of give that to him because you think he has this vision and he had this project vision before you guys even started when he took on the responsibility and label of being the record producer? Yeah, I think I, I, that, that there was a specific sound that he wanted. That that was that was the goal. And you know, I, I do. I normally have a lot of say so, and I had say so in this. I mean, you know, we sat down, you know, a, a March or so, and already started looking we brent and i sat down started looking for songs before i knew brent was going to produce the record uh and that's how that was before i even came into the picture that's right yeah before ben was even managing me so you know that was there was a lot that i had say so wise and you know and and there were things that i mean i can always i can always speak my mind you know if there's a time when when i feel convicted enough about something to say man i just really honestly don't think we ought to play it like that i mean i'm allowed to speak up but i'm also you know that i if i didn't want brent's expertise 
in this, I wouldn't have asked him to come produce the record. I had intentions for him the same way he has intentions for my records. You know what I mean? Like I, I knew that that he has an ear for, for uh, what what he wants to hear from me the same way that I you know I do. And, but I guess that didn't answer your question. No, it do, it it does because I Brent made a comment to me one time about another one of our friends that put out an album the last f- three years, and he said he heard it and that. Although he enjoyed it, he said, that ain't him. He needs to let me produce his record hmm. because I can pull out of him what, what, you know, what he expects out of him. Almost like Brent has it. He's, he's saying that he has an ear hmm. or, you know, a vision for these artists and he might have a relationship with them. And he kind of knows something that they might not necessarily know about themselves. Like Ben already said, he made a comment at one time or you made a comment, Adam, that Brent said, you're a legend. Somebody said that. Yeah. Who said it? You? Yeah. Brent said that you were a legend already mm. and and going to become a legend. So maybe he's sitting there going, I have a vision for this. Right. And I'm going to be able to pull out of Adam Hood what I see that legendary status being. Right. Where does that leave the end goal? What is the end goal? We've touched on this. When Miranda Lambert puts out a record, it goes to probably... Maybe three to four of those cuts are going to become what they call singles, Mm -hmm. and those are going to go to radio. Those are going to go to radio to promote her tour. They're going to go to promote her merch. They're going to go get people listening to Miranda's new music, and it's it's going to either become a number one, making her publishing more money, making the songwriters money. What is the end goal now with with now all this new charisma, this new Ben? You can answer this too. All this momentum going on. Brent Cobb is is very he's on fire right now. Right. What is the end goal now for an Adam Hood project? Because it's time that the freaking world hears Adam Hood. And is that the goal now? Or is it just, hey, we're just going to stay the course and this is a, a new direction and a new producer? I'll let, I'll let you take no, this. So, um, so my goal for Adam as his friend and his manager is like he's been kicking ass, doing what he's doing, making a living for so many years um and with this new record the goal is to expand that nationally internationally and just let the world hear who adam hood is and how badass he is you know like it's and and between the clout of brent cobb and blackberry smoke and Capricorn and you know everything that went into putting this record together and is getting like put him out on tour with other artists as direct support and and do a national tour and not play headlining shows like he's been doing before like and and he's been killing it he's great he's you know he's killing it everybody in Texas I mean they love him they know who he is but people in Vermont, people in you know Spokane, Washington, they might not know who Adam Adam Hood is yet right now. So like, my goal for him is to get him out there to let those people know who he is, and just build his fan base and just grow it organically, and let the music do the talking and just watch it explode. 
Well, and that's, you know, I think that you're right. And the thing is, there's there's a certain amount of stay in the course that's necessary because we've worked a, a long enough in certain markets and certain places to where, you know, that's where I can pay the mortgage. You know, and if, I, if, if a week in Texas affords me the ability to go to L.A. for a week or to, to go up the West Coast, which is something I don't think I've done in 10 years, mm-hmm. and, I, and I have people that used to come to shows, I have people that, that I hear from on social media that would come, you know. And so... And, you know, a, a week in Alabama uh, doing some, you know, some shows would afford me the opportunity to go to North Carolina for a day or two. You know what I mean? And just play new markets and, and try new places out. I mean, I have, you know, Chicago is a place that I've, I've you know, been to regularly, but not quite enough, you know. And so there's there's things like that. And, and you know, we need to do those things. There's venues that I can go into that that I do well in. There are places that we need some help as far as like, you know, I need to go in and open for Travis Tritt. I need to go in and open for Brent in Memphis. I need to go, you know what I mean? Like these are rooms that this, I mean, just again, all this is theoretical, but there's, there's parts of that that are there to stay in the course. I think, I think the, you know, the, the music, like you said, the, it's, the music's going to have to do the talking. It mm-hmm. always does. You know, I mean, I, I can, the best I can do is to go in there and deliver my songs the best way I can when I when I get there. But you know, the music has to kind of precede me a little bit to where we make some stuff that's interesting to people. So, when when um, Jamie Johnson came out with that lonesome song, he did that album on his own, and then went and, and kind of sold not sold it but the record labels heard it and they wanted it and it was almost become like maybe a bidding war per se yeah. to get it because it was so solid can that happen with an Adam Hood record that comes out and now it's considered independent and then all of a sudden BMG or Columbia or Sony or Big Machine they hear it and they say we want that album is that a potential if, if, if that the album could go that way too I mean I'd like to see that happen to be honest with you I mean you know I, I'll tell you this I've done this long enough and independently by myself and and, and uh, you know kind of handling things on my own long enough to where if, if that doesn't happen we know what to do you know what I mean like but uh, for from you know there's a lot of conveniences that that you have setting up with a record label. There's a lot of stuff that's in-house, publicity's in-house, promotions in-house, distributions in-house, uh, just career advice, you know, is in-house, association with other artists that you can go share a bill with or open for or have them open for you, whatever. You know, there's Spotify playlists. There's all those kind of things that, that record labels kind of have set up, so they are useful. But but the but in, in having those things, you give up ownership. And, and the ownership has been the thing that was, number one, was hard for me to get. And number two, I have it on a few things, and it's hard to turn loose of. You know what I mean? So we don't know where we are with that right now. I mean, you know, the, the record's done. We've tracked it, waiting to get the mixes back. And as soon as, uh, as, soon as that's done, we'll just we'll, we'll kind of take it and go pepper it around, around town and see if anybody's interested. I'd, I'd, honestly, I'd love for people to be interested. I really would. I'd love to see, I'd love to see what someone has to offer. You know, I mean, because that's the thing, you know, and I, I, this is going to sound arrogant, but I'm being honest. You know, I've, I've done this long enough to where, damn it, somebody ought to be interested. You know, I mean, this is I agree. I mean, this is what I've always done. There are people that that are 
pretty pretty well renowned that speak well of, of what I do, and I'm really proud of that. Name, give me one. I mean, Miranda Lambert's one of them. What did she say? She, I mean, she's the reason why I had a job in Nashville. I mean, she she said I think you're good enough to where I, you know, you should come, you should come up here. You know, I mean, she got me the job. And Brent, I mean, he thinks well enough of me to, to produce my records, you know. Can Miranda go to her label and say, hey, I want to get a, a meeting with this guy? Would she do something like that? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, that's a good question. I don't know. And that's the thing, like, you know, with, with her, I don't know. Well, she, I mean, I, you know, she did that with the publishing company. I mean, like, that's how I that's how I signed with Carnival. Well, it, to me, it's the country music industry is not what you know or how good you are. It's who you know. I mean, it really is. It's got to really be. Is, like, yeah. the world, you, we already know that you're freaking amazing. Yeah. So, Thank you. So somebody that's that's got the clout can be like, hey, get a meeting with this cat and just let him do a round with him. Let him do five five songs for you and yep. then and then let them make up the mark and it's not just Miranda I mean you know I know Combs I know Riley I know you know all those guys too I know younger guys older guys you know I'm, I mean I've, I've I've done this long enough and have and am, am blessed and thankful for the gifts God's given me and have tried to be a good steward of those gifts enough to where you know, I've made some friends, and you know, and I man, I was at a party a couple of weeks ago, just playing a, a buddy of mine's birthday party, and that's what he said. He said, "Dude, there's gonna come a time when you're just gonna have to start cashing in some favors." And but I don't know, but you, but but you do because Travis Tritt is a one of the best of all time, in my opinion. Totally, me too. If you go back to what he was doing in the early '90s to the mid and late '90s. And what he still does on I don't even know how many sold out shows a year now. It's got to be in the hundreds, though. Yeah. The dude is one of the best. How many cuts you have on his new record? Three. Well, f- that's enough right there to I know that so you too. got it. Yeah. Travis Tritt ain't no dummy. <laughs> I know. I mean, and that, the man hadn't he hadn't made a record in 13 years, and and the record that he comes out of the gate with is one that we got three songs on. You know, you got I, three. Brent has one, or Brent has no, two. No, Brent's got three too. Yeah, Brent's got. They three got two, two together, and they have one. Each individual with yeah. tra- with Travis, correct? Wow, how cool is that? It doesn't it I mean, doesn't get any cooler. He's a legend. Yeah. It does not suck. Yeah, he's a legend. <laughs> totally. I mean, I mean, he's taking Daryl songs to number one, and Daryl's a legend. Right. Daryl wrote yep. uh, "Great Day to Be Alive" yep. and uh, one other one. I mean, I got th- rice cooking. I, I'm pretty sure Travis knows how to pick songs. Right. That's right. He's not being. He's not giving you doing you a favor by picking a shitty song. <laughs> and he's not. He's definitely not doing himself a favor. Well, and and, and he, right now the guy doesn't owe me anything. You know, I mean, there's and he never he never would. But like this is nobody's paying this guy to cut my songs. I mean, he you know he nobody's paying him to write with us. Do you know any of them by heart that you that he's going to cut? Yeah. I'm, Are you allowed to sing one? I mean, is that okay? Yeah. I, I don't know. Are you allowed to? Is Do this it. is this like what Adam like if Travis Tritt hears you singing a song that hasn't been released? Yet, could you get in? I don't want to get anybody in trouble. I mean, I've been playing. Travis it. listens to this podcast no, I, I mean, religiously. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I, I mean, Adam's been playing this song live. I mean, and Haley yeah. wrote it, so he can play it. Um, but yeah, so yeah. All right, we'll do this. All right, here's one that I wrote uh, on on Travis's record. This is the one that just the two of us wrote. <laughs> That I haven't lost Makes me just want to pack up And get the hell out of Dodge But I stand here truthful 
with a heart that's in pain I'm just trying to stay dry while I'm standing in the rain Travis Tritt. Right? So good. Right? Like, so Travis Tritt. That's 90s Travis Tritt. Yeah, man. 
I mean, it that's was, freaking killer. Thanks, dude. I got a question. Ask it. Give me what the progression is of the line. How does it come about? Like, what is the discussion of the the, the concrete boots and tread and water line? I'm trying to figure it out in my interpretation, Hood, because I always like to tell you what mine was and what yours is when you wrote it. It's this hard to tread water wearing concrete shoes? Yeah. Like, is that saying that you know you're dying because you're the way you're treating this person and you're going to sink to the bottom of the lake? Yeah. And you can't... Like, I get that you... People have committed suicide. That, that you know, mafia was known for concrete boots. And right. that was like a saying. But what does it mean, like, the way that you guys wrote it? Like, you know you're dying because of the way you're treating this girl? Yeah, I think... Well, it's not so much that. I think it's just the whole, you know, you keeping your head above water. You know what I mean? Like, that's... that's the, I think it was more of an analogy... Uh, more of the it's hard to keep my head above water so is he not just treating his old lady like crap but he's also feels like he's failing as the provider of the family i think that's more it i think i mean you know i I think this is one of those things to where where this person came out of a, a pretty heated argument knowing he can't win and and you know that's because I mean the the first couple of lines that's the thing that makes me you know when when I hear those lines or when I sing those lines the thoughts that that I remember of the times when you know man you know with my wife I have man I got a great wife she's a really strong willed lady though you know what I mean and so so uh, sometimes she's just right you know and in spite of in spite of how badly I want her to not be right. She's right, and and it drives me nuts, you know. And so, so that's the that's the thing. I mean, just sort of, I don't know. This guy kind of keeps screwing up, you know. I think. So does is sometimes I've heard songwriters say that they go into the room with an idea. Is this are these songs with Travis ideas before the session happens, or are they raw from the get go? Travis, okay, with this, and I, I I hope it's okay to tell the story. I mean, man, the guy pretty much had he had on his phone the voice of a voice recording and it was him just singing these lines into his into his phone and it was like the first verse the last verse and the chorus i mean like he kind of had the whole it's another one of those scenarios it was like man uh you kind of wrote this but yeah gladly but you know there were a few things that we kind of patched up together and i mean I, i participated in the second verse more than anything but but yeah i mean Travis had the bones of that tune when we went in. Do you get shaken knowing that you're sitting by a guy that literally was best friends almost with Waylon Jennings? I mean, he tells stories about recording with Waylon and the duets he did with him. Being on the Opry stage with Waylon and Steve Warner and like, look, I remember the videos of like Travis looking down the line and kind of like being in awe, like, holy shit, like, (laughs) is this really happening? I'm with, I'm with Hosh right now. Like, do you get shaken up a little bit knowing what that guy's accomplished and now he's putting his trust into this kid that was like, literally, you grew up on Travis Tritt songs. Do you get, do you get weirded out or intimidated at all? This is a scenario where I did not get intimidated because the reason why I was dude, I was made to do what I did with Travis. I mean, the guy is, you know, and I've said this before in I, just conversations and I think interviews, like I knew who Bob Seger was, but I didn't play Bob Seger songs until I heard Travis Tritt do Night Moves. I knew who Steve Earle was, but I didn't learn anything about Steve Earle until I heard Travis Tritt play Copperhead Road. And this was 17-year-old wow. me. This was the years that I was... That's so yeah, cool. And, it, and so the guy really, I mean, really influenced my career. And, and not only that, like I borrowed so much from his style that... 
like I said, I mean, you know, I, with this scenario, I was as prepared as I've ever been to write with anybody. And, you know, Brent was, I mean, you know, he was like, ah, I don't know if I have time to do it. And I, I kind of, I did everything but push him up against the wall and say, listen, <laughs> damn it, you're going to do me a damn solid right now. And we're going to go write with Travis Tritt. Wait, and Brent you, Cobb was trying to make an excuse not to write with Travis I Tritt? I just think he was a little bit more apprehensive than I was. You know what I mean? I was, I, I was... I was raring to go. I mean, really, no joke. I mean, 45 from, from 17 to 45 years old, this this is the record I've been meaning to do. I mean, this is, I was It's so funny I hear you say things like you just did about Copperhead Road or, or Night Moves because when I hear him do Take It Easy, like it yeah. blows the Eagles out of the water the totally. way they did it. I'm not saying that I'm not a big Eagles fan, but I'm not. I just never have been. But when he does Take It Easy, and I'm not saying anything bad about the Eagles, so please nobody come down on me and tell me how <laughs> great Glenn Fry and Hanley and Allmar. I'm, I'm looking at you right now because I'm that guy. Like, like you're mad at me for not being a I mean, Eagles like, fan? I'm, I think they're the best American rock and roll band on, on in, in the history of rock and roll. You met Guns N' Roses, but I'll let that <laughs> There you go. <laughs> but they, they were the first super group. <laughs> are they are they badass, the Eagles? I think they're pretty great, yeah. Uh, okay, so it shows you that I'm an idiot when it comes to music, and I shouldn't even be talking to you. I also, on well, podcast. I kind of have my opinions on the Eagles, too. So but I, I, I've never, myself. okay, look at, okay, let me put it in these terms. When Hotel California comes on, I get the eebie-jeebies, because maybe it was overplayed, maybe it's not my favorite song in the world that, that became so big, but Take It Easy by Travis Tritt is a freaking badass song. Yeah. Standing on a corner in Winslow, I mean, the dude just sounds like he was right. Made to sing that song. I mean, just uh, th- that's well, the thing. I mean, kind of the same thing. He was, you know, you he, can tell that he's a product of his influence too. He's unofficially the guy that got the Eagles back together in the nineties. Yeah, that's what I heard. Too. Really? Yeah. Like when, um, and they should have stayed broken up. And, no, I, I, and I've had man. this conversation. I, I, I had the the pleasure and. <laughs> Adam wasn't nervous going in to write with Travis. I spent a week with him in the office when he was writing, and I was a schoolgirl at a Bieber concert yeah. with Travis Tritt. Like, I was just like, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. This is, like, this I is the dude. Too. I would yeah. be, too. And, I mean, the dude, like, so, I mean, I'm, I'm a huge Eagles fan. Like, I mean, I think they're the best harmony American rock and roll band on the planet, and and Travis basically they were they hated each other and they busted up and until the Common Thread record came out and Travis went to do the music video for Take It Easy and had the idea of having the Eagles be in the music video that was the first time they actually got back in the room together in 14 years maybe oh is that right something like that and that was in the 90s that was like in 93 or 94 and uh, and then the Hell Freezes Over tour started in like '94, I think. So like, it was kind of the the straw that broke the camel's back that made them all go, "All right, we'll give it a shot." And so, I give Travis credit for getting the Eagles back together. Um, a lot of other That's people do cool. too. Um, I don't know if it against him. if the the industry does. I'm sure um, you know management and other people will want to take credit for that, but. Um, but Travis to me was a legend. I mean, like he, I mean, he is a legend, and he is the dude that got the Eagles back together, which was another one of my favorite bands. So, like, I went into that week with him writing at the office, as nervous as I've ever been in my professional career. Yeah. Well, in a situation like that with you, Ben, I mean, you 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 sort of have to, and I guess we all kind of have to deliver. But but your delivery is based on the the 
the um, performance of others, you know. Yeah, I, mean, I didn't have to do nothing but make sure everybody else showed up. Yeah, but there you go. But, I mean, making people show up with... Like Brent Cobb, it sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> it really wasn't that bad. I hope I really... I, I don't want to... Oh, no, it's already recorded. It's already recorded, buddy. Hey, I talked <laughs> shit already. I just... I mean, I'm going to change it to say that you threw him up against the wall. <laughs> By the throat. <laughs> the, yeah. the I throat. basically <laughs> threw him up against the wall. Let's talk about him for a second again, okay. Adam. Okay. You said some things yesterday um, about the new album. His? Yeah. I've seen the expression on your face sometimes when you do say what you're saying about some of the cuts on there. Why is a simple song like Keep Them On Their Toes, when I hear it, it just sounds so simple, Mm -hmm. the way that he sings it. It just sounds almost like, not cliche, but just like, if you're going to go, you know, make them look right. It's just like, why is... Why is he so? Why are we all so enamored with him when he he just keeps getting better? In my opinion, right. like you do, but you're his one of his best friends. Right? Why does that album make you say the words that you're saying about it? Because you've already said many times to me personally, like this is a good record. Mm-hmm. Are you saying that just because you want him to go do you another big favor someday, and you don't want to hear him talking sh- you talking nah. shit about? Or is he really this good? And then Ben, I want you to answer the same deal. I think very much so. Yeah, I think he's really that good. And I've, I've, I've really always thought that. You know, I mean, I kind of, I was one of the first people. Not that we, I kind of, I think I'm a broken record with this stuff. But I was one of the first guys he wrote with. And I mean, you know, this was, you know, when we wrote "Go Outside and Dance," which was the first song we ever wrote, and like it, it got cut by the Eli Young band. You know, and so. Um, when when we sat down to write it, I knew it was I knew he was different, you know. And I mean, and and that's the that's the strange thing about it. Like for somebody that's real, I mean, like the guy's really innovative when it comes to his approach to country music. And there's nothing intentional about it. Like he's not. This is not contrived. This is not. You know, he, he's not creating this persona. This is really him. You know, he just grew his hair out a little bit longer. You know, and so. Um, <laughs> you know, and that's really it. But yeah, I think I, I don't. I, I don't know what it is. I, I think there's an honesty and an integrity to it. I think that's that's one thing. I think it's way stripped down, which is another thing. And you can really hear clearly how he sings. You know, and I think he's a great singer. Like great singer, as in you started this podcast by saying that that might be one of your weaker points when you hear yourself <laughs> sing flat. Just honestly, I still want you to answer this, Ben. But a great singer on, is there different levels of greatness in vocalization? And like Chris Stapleton is like at the ultimate of Conway Twitty's at the ultimate. Jamie Johnson's at the ultimate. Like they got those big voices. Yeah. Brent doesn't have that big voice. What makes him a great singer? He does in the studio. I think, I, I, you know, well, and he does on stage too. But I think, I think his voice is, it, 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 it's the delivery, man. He's it's amazing, how man. easily, it's how easily you can get your point across and, and say it you know, well, every time, you know what I mean? And, and that's, that's the delivery, you know, just and the things that are supposed to come out easily. This, this may be a little dated of a statement, but I mean, I think, and I've, re- I mean, I've, I've always thought Brent, I've known Brent for 10 years, probably yeah. if not longer. Um, okay. It's been, I can't even remember now how long I met him. I felt like I'd, I've always known him, but, um, as a songwriter, Brent is like the Bob Ross of songwriting. <laughs> he just puts a tree where he wants it? I mean, like, it's just like, he makes things seem so simple and so perfect, 
and so just meant to be. It should have been there. Yes. It, hmm. That's what it was intended. Like he yeah. writes songs and, and, and the songs that he records, like this isn't even the songs that he writes and that, that as a songwriter, but the songs that he records, it it always just blows my mind. I'm like, well, that's what we've all been waiting for. You know, like it's just like it's stuff that's just supposed to be there. And Wait, and I don't know that, if that's that, weird. I mean, I don't that know. State, no, that's cool. That I statement hear. that you just made about the songs that he records as opposed to the ones he writes that he doesn't record. I don't know if this is what you mean by that, and I, I, I don't think it is. I might. Well, this is it, it's, it, this is this is the way I separate him as an artist and a songwriter. But where I'm thinking, and Adam can say if he agrees with this or not, because you're in the you're in the mix in the business. Mm-hmm. There hasn't been one cut by Brent Cobb that I don't like his version version better. Yeah. If that oh, makes absolutely. sense. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that kind of where I, when he sings his songs, yes. he yes. knows how to deliver them. Like when I heard like Luke does a good job on Tailgate Blues. Yeah. I think it's the yeah. best Luke Bryan song I, there was. I, I, I mean, agree with you on that. But when Brent sings and you can find it on YouTube, when mm-hmm. Cobb does it, I'm just like, oh gosh. Gosh. Now the new Luke Luke Combs song, Six Feet Away. That song, when Brent sings it on the work tape, I'm just blown away by it, uh, and it's the same way with the with the new Keith Urban cut "Forever" that just came out in September. Uh, same thing with the new Luke Bryan's cut. Where, um, where are we going? Yeah, where are we going? Like They're Keith and Keith him. and Luke both did it great. Don't get me wrong; they're they're both great, and and I. I Y'all should sing them if you're link, listening, Keith Urban and Luke Bryan. Um, make it a single. Um, but uh, but at the same time, like, to go hear Brent's demo, it's – you could hear it on Brent's record. Like, I mean, he he owns it, and, like, he sings it so well. Did they not and make that a single already? I thought I thought Keith Urban released it as a single. He did not. No. Um, I, think, I think I heard it today on the radio. I mean, I feel I like mean, – I'm good. Thank you. I know it, he played it on. Um, thank you, buddy. Uh, he played it on Seth Meyers a couple weeks ago, mm-hmm. uh, which, I, ironically enough, was like literally a week after Luke Combs played Six Feet Apart on Seth Meyers. So, and Brent didn't even know it until I told him. I was like, "Hey, buddy, you just had two weeks. You had two songs played on Seth Meyers on late night TV." And he goes, "What? Um, I don't got TV down here anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I never turn one on. What is NBC? <laughs> NBC. Okay, so I want to get to I want to get to Adam's songs, but we're all in agreement that this mixture of Adam Hood and Brent Cobb is magic. It's it's so magic to where when you hear just a simple song like a girl that quit loving you or made out with your best friend or you tried to you know that song that you guys wrote how many years ago was that which one she don't love me no more did i not give it away by saying she made out with my best friend and all that oh was, no i'm sorry no no i'm just trying i know that you've written a lot of songs because your library if anybody's listening out there which i know you are based on the numbers we're seeing do yourself a favor and go out and listen to the entire Adam Hood Library. And I'm not talking skip a song. I'm talking break down the lyrics and take three and listen to those three for a week and then do three the next week and just do yourself a favor and get it ingrained in you because I'm telling you, the way that the way these words, the ones you've written with Brent and other guys, you've written with some really stout, stout, staunch writers, 
do yourselves a favor and listen to the entire library. And we forget to do that. At least I've been guilty. And I told you this yesterday, Adam, a lot of the times in my life, I get on a kick of the songs I want to be hearing. Yeah. I've done it with Chris Knight so much to where it was always ain't easy being me and framed in the ri- down the river to where, man, I'm like, holy shit, I'm rediscovering stuff that's been out for 15 years. Right. Right. Like that's right. do yourself a favor and listen to the entire Adam Hood library. And that's what I've really been doing because it's like, good night. Like mm. it's like every song you sang the other night, I'm like, okay, I'm not, it's not complete yet. All mm. the good ones you did, I was still upset at the end of it. Right. right. That's yeah. the sign of a good musician and that's a good true. deliver because you don't know how many people George Strait pisses off 55,000 people at the Alamo Dome or somewhere that go there to hear the freaking you know the check yes or no and he plays the other freaking 50 <laughs> hits that he's got exactly. and they, they get pissed yeah, off right they do, yeah, and that's totally. kind of probably why Eric Church did that two night deal last year where he did two nights at every location Yeah, because people want to hear the shit a lot of people right. were buying tickets to both nights but we, we are in agreement there is something special going on in this Adam Hood, Brent Cobb, we can keep naming them. The ones that you can find on the Foul Life playlist, they're there. We we support them. We did not discover them, okay? We are just trying to do our part in getting the music out on our platforms because I've always said the world deserves to hear it. So this new album, do you like talking about the foundation of a song and the where that song came from? Because this is the least talked about thing in music, in my opinion. Every time, and I I hate to just keep beating a dead horse with Axl Rose or Guns N' Roses, but every time you hear an interview with them, it's always about the trouble they got in, or the riots, or Axl being an a-hole, or their girls, and the sex, and the drugs, and the 90s, and the Sunset Strip. Very rarely do you sit down and hear somebody go, and I would love to talk with Axel and Slash about writing Locomotive or writing Breakdown or writing Coma or writing Brownstone on heroin, calling it Mr. Brownstone. Like, wouldn't that be cool to hear how they came up with that shit? That's what I want to know. So do you enjoy talking about the foundation of a song? Or are you more so in just the promotion of it and not how you got there? No, I think the, the, the creation of the song is is very important. I mean, if you think about it, I mean, if people had asked those guys more questions about their songs, their career might have lasted a little bit longer. You know what I mean? And granted, you know, they, of course, they, you know, still play around and stuff. But I mean, you know, had had all those those superficial things not taken precedence in their career, they may stay together a little bit longer, you know? And so, I mean, for me, the songs are more important than me. It, you know, I mean, I'm just, I kind of, you know, I consider myself sort of a vessel, you know? There's, there's something cosmic that happens that gives me ideas. There's certain, you know, I mean, it's, it's a God thing to me. But, you know, th- there's things just happen. I'm, you know, I, I just try to keep myself open to, to being creative, you know? Okay. Well, so, then yeah. with that being said, let me... Let's talk about a couple of these. Okay. I you would. Wanna, you want to go through a track list w- of the new well, record? Well, I would like to. Here's what I would like to do is, I think there's so much good shit in here that I don't think that I even have the brain to digest it and analyze it. I'm thinking that we do. How many songs are on the new album? I think there's ten. Ten. I think that we do a a, a three to four part podcast series. Okay. Where we we take two to three at a time. And we dedicate it leading up to the launch where we just talk about, you know, it might not be the launch of the record, but we just talk about each song and where it sits on the record. We could go in order if you all want. 
But I want. Well, we learn. don't know. We don't necessarily know the order. Yeah, then, that's, yet. then that's even better. Yeah. But I want. I want to learn where these songs come from in the minds of these songwriters. I assume that you're on every track, Adam Hood. As far as writing goes, yes. yeah, yeah. So you were either, did you write any of these on your own? I don't think that there's any of these mm-hmm. that I have. Have you ever written a song and completed a song on your own that you For released? Sure. Uh, yeah, I, I usually have one on every album. Give me one that I know, please. The Shape of Things. Really? Yeah, I wrote All that one by own. myself. Uh, I wrote, um, on Welcome to the Big World, I wrote the song. So we're waking up early. That, don't that sound like love? Yeah. On Somewhere in Between... I can't remember what which one it was. There was one I wrote. Maybe I wrote two on that one by myself. I should know this too, and I don't. I, I don't know either. Uh, I'll look That's, that up. That sounds like a good problem to have. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That many good songs, and you can't remember which ones you wrote remember. by yourself. Yeah. So you, you want me to? I give know. Me? I know exactly. After every flock of ducks that comes in, I know exactly which ones I killed, and it's almost all of them. <laughs> I claim them all. <laughs> Do you know how many? You, know, du- you, you got to beat in this. Do you know how many dud bullets you give to your guests when you send them out on a coyote hunt in the morning? Listen. We're not even bringing this up. This is, <laughs> this is not the right time for that conversation. I'm, I'm surprised I'm on this podcast. I'm so irritated with you, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, hey, it took everything I had in my power to not drive. I mean, I. I was trying not to come back out to the studio. I was like, when I see him, I'm going to shake him. He's blaming the gun, and now he's blaming the ammo. It's going to be the boots walking in that you yeah. stubbed your toe. Y'all messed they were, up those were the mine. <laughs> okay. Everything that worked, didn't work was yours. Yeah. Jesus. <laughs> anyway, um, so I'll I tell you what. You want, you want to approach this? You want to just throw out three titles? And and let him do that randomly and like explain the songs. Yeah, I, and I, yeah, I just want to learn a little bit. In a nutshell, it doesn't have to be, you know, twenty minutes of it. But I I really want to know like where the song comes from. I don't. Okay. I want to leave the, the harder stuff for the last episode. Okay. Okay. And do you have any idea yet what the name of the album is? And does Brent Cobb decide that too as the producer? No, but he does have a say so in it. We does kinda... he have a say so in the cover art as well? Um. No. No. Nah. Yeah. I mean, we don't we don't know who has a say in that yet. <laughs> yeah, I want right. I want to say thank you to Brent Cobb nationally real quick for my birthday present. Was yeah, that cool? That was cool. He said, "Chad, you already know this, but I love you more than groceries." <laughs> on a on his new album, Keep Them On They Toes. Like, what does that mean? Like, I talked to you in the pool yesterday. Like, I guess groceries are hard to come by in Georgia. Well, there's you know, I mean, there's there's COVID. You know what I mean? Oh, like, I love COVID. you more than toilet paper. <laughs> Yeah, that's probably I mean, what I, I, it, you know. I mean, obviously, groceries are a necessity for for life. That's right. And if you have a love more than a necessity for life, that's pretty damn strong. So I kind of like it. he's he's a wordsmith. Yeah, I'm not saying I would make out with him, but I might do it if the lights were down. <laughs> yeah, man, guy's got a guy's he's got, got a he's, got, he's got pretty hair. You've seen those movies where you walk up to the hot chick with her long flowing hair behind, and then you tap him tap her on the shoulder and turns around. He's like, "Hey, she hey. might have a little mustache." <laughs> oh shit! Sorry, I was just thinking at the, your long, beautiful hair from the back. I didn't realize you're a man. Sorry, Brent Cobb. All right, give me give me one. Right. Wait, I want one song title, and I want to see if I can. Now, these are going to be some that you've never heard of. I've never heard of any of these. Okay. I've heard okay. the harder stuff. That's it. Um, the Travis Tritt song's not on your album, no, right? No, that's okay. not be on Travis's. And name. that song is called Better Off Dead? It's called Better Off Dead. Yeah. Dude, that's a sick-ass Thanks, title. Thanks, man. That, I hope that's the album cut title. I mean, it would be cool. That would be cool. Ooh. So so I get to pick the songs. Give me a song title, the first one, and I want to ask Adam just one question about each one before he tells me. Speed of the South. Hmm. 
Speed of the South, I'm going to guess that it is about the slowdown and how you love where you grew up and were lucky enough to be born in because you don't like the rigmarole of the jam-up lifestyle that you see in a lot of other parts of the country. Almost. Damn it. Yeah. I mean, well, that was that's really close. I wrote it with my buddy Jason Jones, and Jason is a friend of mine that— Actually, Jason grew up in Brent's hometown and now lives uh, in Tuscaloosa. Married a, a, a girl that went to school with my... I did not know that. Yeah, with my sister-in-law. First time I ever saw him was in Macon, so that kind of makes sense. But yeah, I didn't know he was from back home. Mm-hmm. I think... I, I, I'm pretty sure they went to the same high school together. But anyway, so we wrote that song together. And the, the title was initially The Speed of Sound. And it was... Uh, it it kind of... <sighs> Without giving the song away, um, it, it comes from a perspective of a guy that's been playing around for so long that generations... I mean, it's, okay, the, the, if I went and played in, in Auburn or Alabama or, or UNLV or something like that, you know, it, it, as Adam Hood, the 45-year-old guy, there's a, there's a huge generation gap between me and my style of music and, and what's college students these days, where I got started. Okay, so... That's kind of the perspective of it. You know, uh, the first lines are, I, I can't write like William Faulkner. I can't sing like Shelby Lynn. And when you show up talking Southern, brother, they won't let you in. You know, and so that's the that's the gist of it. So, yeah, it is. It's exactly what you said. But instead of from uh, like a nine to five or perspective, it's from a, from an old musician's perspective. I love it. Yeah. Speed of sound turns into speed of the South. Yeah, because really, the, that's cool. The the you can tell the character that we wrote this song about is is a is a musician that lives in the Southeast. Is I mean, William Faulkner Captain Kirk? Totally kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you mean Captain Kirk? Captain Kirk. Okay, this is Speed of the South. It will be on the new album. We have not. T- we have not no named title yet. the new album. Right. I think I'm going to have a say in that, too. I'm going to come up with some ideas. Oh, yeah. All ears on deck. It would be cool to have, an, to have an album title that's not a song title. Okay, I've never done it. that before. I got it. Under the Hood. Oh, yeah. Well, what about this? About Damn Time. Yeah. <laughs> that's pretty good. That is pretty good. I like Under the Hood with you... With your butt crack showing just a little bit, yeah. <laughs> and overlooking. In, in well, your, damn, in you do an album art too, and like, your Chevelle all together, yeah, like fixing a girl's and car a, with big boobs or something. Yeah, like and that. I want an old ghetto blaster sitting there with oh. a mixtape in it. Hey, if we do this, now, idea. It's if like, this is like the idea. album cover of Conway at the Golf, we got to bring Brent yeah. Cobb back as the mechanic. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Smitty, we'll have Smitty on his shirt. <laughs> and then when you open up the cover art on the inside, you see a picture of him standing there with a wrench, and he's got a little bit of a little bit of grease on. Like, that would be sick. Under the hood. <laughs> That's what I was in my bar. That's where I come up with the idea of sitting under your ass in the bar the other night when you're playing on top of me. I'm under the hood. You don't like it? You can, I love it. You can do it right it. there with two bartenders looking up at your ass while you're under the bar. And then me, like, hanging out right there. Speaking with... of that, did you ever hear stories of Motley Crue on, on tour where they had the glass floor and they would bring girls underneath during the show? Like, they'd oh. have couches and stuff underneath? Have you heard that story? Uh-uh. Look it up one day. I would assume that the girls under the stage would probably not have clothes on. No, they weren't just under there like dancing or nothing. It was like an underground room to where like they go down there and do So like old, VIP old, was under the stage, under yeah. the glass stage? Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Yes. Yeah, that's interesting. I think it was the Theater of Pain tour where Tommy Lee had the drums 
the drum set that turned upside down and had the crane on it that brought him out over the crowd. Could you imagine that back in the day? No. Singing Smoking in the Boys Room and Tommy Lee's just beating it like with all of that leverage, all of that, uh, all of that weight in his midsection pulling him down to the crowd. Do you know how strong of a belt had to have him reinforced oh, yeah. into that seat? What well, I would imagine. <laughs> Most uncomfortable your, set ever. Ever. <laughs> ever. Probably affects your swing too, you know. I mean, you got gravity pulling down on you. It's probably yeah, hard like, to hit a drum like that. Yeah, really hard. Those are the days, man. Oh, God dang it. They just don't do it. There's just nothing like it anymore. No. Smoking in the boys' room. I don't <laughs> even think that was that a cover. Yes. That was a cover, right? I believe it was a cover of like a Loggins and Messina song. Oh, shit. Yeah, yeah. Really unlikely bunch. Loggins and Messina sang I, I may, Smoking in the Boys' I may room? be wrong about that. I may not be wrong about that, though. All right. Okay. This is Speed of the South. Do you need a guitar for it? Yeah. Do you remember that one? So. You can keep your phone. Oh, you so, got, and by the way, the songs I'm throwing out, I have no idea if he knows how to play. That's right. Really? Oh, yeah. he. Well, I mean, should that, we have asked him first? No, well, I mean, he, you don't have to play him. Let's see how far I can get with that. I can't ride like William Faulkner. I can't sing like Shelbyland When you show up talking Southern Brother, they won't let you in I'm a rock like, like a man without a country Like a king without a crown These kids don't give a damn about how they drove old dicks down And I feel like a rock With nowhere to roll But I've come too far To sell my soul Everybody moves at the speed of light And I barely get around Moving at the speed of the south Yes, but like the when you hit it big, like I don't know what it's called, the bridge. When you what, I'm yeah. trying to learn how a song is built. Yeah, the but bridge. The bridge is so strong in that Thanks, song. Man. Can you can you give the audience a definition of or sing the bridge one more time so they know exactly where I'm talking about? Because so be. it was so freaking powerful too. Just do that last verse again where you kind of turned it up a little bit. I freaking loved it. Hard as I fought to find my place 
rock a rock. That would be the bridge. Yeah. God, I love that how it comes down. <laughs> Thanks, man. Lines on my face, so you're starting to age a little bit. Yeah. And I feel like, God dang it, man. That's freaking strong. Thanks. I need that song now. <laughs> I do. I need a work tape of that. Me I too. I, 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 that's freaking nice. I do have a work tape of it, probably. When I well, there's, and, there's a second verse in there. I just couldn't remember this. And, and by the way, that's what I was about to say too. Like, don't feel obligated. Like if you if you don't remember it because it all it all is very fresh and some of it's old, some of it's new, and some I, of it's not been fun to see what happens. That yeah. was that's um, that that was that should have been the third one we did today because that was too good to start with. Because now you got to live up to that shit. But you should have seen. Uh, you have no idea. Yeah, what I've this got record's going to be good then. <laughs> All right, number two, Ben. Number two of ten. We'll cover the first three today on this episode of This Life Ain't And this is not the first three. This is just random three. I'm just saying we're random random three. three. All right, throw me a line. Throw, Uh, throw, wait, I get the chance. Sorry to interrupt. Throw me a line is a girl at the Floribama talking to a guy. Hit me with your best shot kind of deal. Let me see what you got. Way off. Okay. Well, that's a hard one. Throw me a line because I know it ain't some Brad Paisley fishing song. No, I wrote it with Warren Haynes, in fact. No freaking way. You know Warren Haynes? I did. And I don't know what happened or how it came about, but Dave Cobb called me and said, hey, man, Warren's going to be in town. Uh, So-and-so, you want to write with him? And I said, yeah. I I mean, I told my wife, I'm I'm, I'm seeing a day or two. (laughs) (laughs) So I wrote at the apartment and wrote with him. And, uh... Man, he was the coolest. I mean, it's the same thing. It's you know, you you don't expect him to not be cool, but like he was the nicest guy. And like, I remember we we hung out, and he, you know, he had more stories about David Allen Coe than he had about the Almond Brothers. Is he not the Godfather? Isn't he the founder of Southern Rock or one of them? I mean, you know, if you think about it, I would say that, that that's that, yeah, that's, a, that's probably a, a. I mean, he. I feel like to Bible me, he, he and Derek Trucks are kind of like the predecessors. And the, the torch carriers, you know. Like oh. from, I'd, say, I'd say Trucks surely is, yeah. From, Trucks is for, way younger than Warren Haynes. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, like, I mean, Warren was in the Almond Brothers, and he was in government. I mean, he's still in government mule. And he's a huge asset and a part of the history of Southern Rock. But he, And he's still carrying that torch. Um, but, man, he's so awesome. And Dude, I've, I, I've done I, so many shows I, with Government Mule and stuff in the past, too. And, like, he's, he's still just amazing. Oh, my gosh. That just gave me freaking goosebumps. Yeah. No pun intended. Like, I, like, I, like when you guys start talking about that, here's what I did today, and then I'm going to let you get back to the song. Yeah. What did you think of Danny the other night, Danielle, when she got up and sang Angel from Montgomery, just off the cuff? I said, get up there and sing it, please. I thought it was awesome. Wasn't she, she amazing? Great. Yeah. And, and dude, you know, I mean, you know, I, I know I know, it's, it's typical, but like that can go one of two ways. I've seen it go wrong, very wrong yeah. a number of times. And she got up there and just slayed it. I mean, she paid attention. She, she knew what she was doing. Was too. Yeah, yeah. To get her to do that, like, is almost impossible because she's so shy yeah. and thinks like nobody wants to hear me sing. And then everybody's like, holy yeah. So today beautiful. when I was driving around, I got to thinking about that deal. And I freaking, I told Siri to find Susan Tedeschi doing it live. Hmm. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Like, I don't know if you can, Danielle's unbelievable, but Susan Tedeschi, God dang it. So when you said Darren Trucks, I think she's like 11 years older than Darren Trucks, ain't she? Yeah, I think so. Isn't it supposed to be the, uh, never mind. We'll talk about that. <laughs> um, so throw me a line yeah. is about what though about what you and warren were writing about man it's kind of a it, it, i mean the 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 chorus is when i'm burdened you can lift it pull me up in the nick of time when i'm freezing keep me warm when i'm drowning throw me a line oh so it's every man having... to my me and my brother you know like my brother 
pick me up when I'm down. I'll do the same for you. So does this have a little gospel to it? Yeah, I, I can. I, I remember this one. Oh, I'm, oh, you're singing it. I mean, you're singing it. Yeah. I'm just saying, like, like yeah. I'm just. I, I mean, it's a gospel. It's a. It's a. It, it's it's our. By the way, I have no idea what he's what he remembers and what he doesn't when I'm throwing these songs out there. I'm just looking <laughs> at my notes and my. I know, phone. I like it. All right. Yeah. So it's a. This is a good game show. Stump. This, the artist, yeah, on a new, on his brand new record, <laughs> or, or any song. Can you pick a song in their career that they can't sing again? Like what we were talking about, one of those B side cuts that nobody ever gave shit about listening to. That would never, be fun. Never heard it at the concert, but out of all the songs George Strait recorded, could you stump him if you just said, "Okay, he thinks you're going to request the chair, but yeah. you request some shit that stump the band on your game. own tunes." Stumped yeah, that band. would be fun. Yeah, that would be fun. All right, put that together, Ben. Let's get a pilot yeah. shot. I want, we, I want Poison to be the first guest. Are we doing guest. that today? I want Millie Vanilli <laughs> to be the first guest. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to do Adam to the first guest. No, no, don't do me yet. No, we can't. We can't put him on the spot right now. <laughs> All right, you want me to play it? Oh, please. This is Throw Me a Line. This is Throw Me a Line. forgot about the BGVs on that song. Yeah, Ben was actually part of the, the boys choir that sang in, in the, the, yeah. the little part. And the song. boys choir. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was. The, the boys choir was me, uh, Patrick Cobb, Brent Cobb's dad, Rob Evans, the studio manager and, and head engineer at Capricorn. And I think then that's it, just the three, y'all. Did and we Miranda not, sang. We one. did some Miranda on that too. Like we did something else in, in Nashville too. Yeah, but like I forgot about that. Like until he started singing, I was like, oh yeah, hell yeah, I remember the song. <laughs> <laughs> did it throw you off at all? What? When he comes in there and throws in that that background? 
<laughs> no, oh, we cut that track separately. Did, oh, it threw me off today. He no, did that uh, to Brent Cobb last year on stage. He just walked up and grabbed the mic of the guitarist yeah. and started doing that. And Brent looked around like, yeah. Brent's that was a totally different situation. Yeah. <laughs> it's not as Ben was in a totally different world. Yeah. Totally different world. Hey, do you guys know Tom? This is Tom Rashing. Yeah, man. It's good to Fellas. see Tom again. I love Tom. He's my one of my buddies. <laughs> I appreciate that, Ben. He was working his magic on Friday night at the fire. Wait till you see some of those pictures. Oh out. yeah, I can't wait. He that was take, in perfect. He, he didn't take any of you. It was just, it was just me. He was taking them. The like, real magic <laughs> was when I took over the camera and Tom put it down that night. Oh, did you put some good on there? Uh, that was that was when the magic happened. So was, I, I was, go oh, ahead. Sorry, no, you go ahead. Was Friday your birthday? No, Wednesday is my birthday. Is I really? celebrate, the whole month's my birthday. <laughs> should be, yeah. The whole month is my birthday. When you're a Libra, you just take every day. Like, I'm I'm right on the cusp of Libra, so I get like nine days of October. That I, I think I'm the first day of Libra. Interesting. Really? Yeah, October 21st, 1989, I was born. Does that make sense? 1989? Yes. Throw Me a Line is badass. <laughs> Thanks, man. Like, Thanks. that is that song's written how many years ago? Uh, that's I mean, that song's probably not three years old. So it was it was probably the second year of my deal. So yeah, I mean three three years. It's there's no way it's four years old. Wow. I bet wrote it twenty seventeen. And what does does Brent Cobb hear it in seventeen or does he run across it when he's searching when he's going through your library? I'm pretty sure he went across he, No, I, I that was one I wanted on the record. That was one that I that I, I suggested. And in, the, in the first pop. Was there any pushback from Brent Cobb? No, I don't think so. I think as soon as he heard it, I think he was cool. I mean, it was typical. The, the kind of stuff that you either you either expect me to record or you want me to record if I didn't. You know, that's my that's my wheelhouse, man. That song right there is my wheelhouse. That's what that's what I I know. That's what I know I do best. But I've never done it in its entirety on an album. And so that's kind of the plan for this record. And there, you know, I mean, you've heard the harder stuff. The harder stuff is nothing like that song. No. But the harder stuff is musically and sonically, the harder stuff is is one slow song, and that's it. That's as, that's as slow as it gets, and it does it one time. Well, on there's an acoustic song. But it's not, but that's not a slow song. It's like a, yeah. like a blues tune, like a, like a front porch thing. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I guess, I guess that the harder, I don't know where you put the harder stuff on an album. Like that's going to be like, do you slow it down after the first four or do you leave it for the end? I don't know. The harder, the harder stuff is a, that's a very personal song. Like yeah. that's a, that's like a really personal song of what you even fought sobriety as far as like, do I want to do it? Do I want to do it the rest of my life? Like that's, and we're going to get into that song more, but that is a very personal song. And yeah. I still don't know how sobriety works in a atmosphere like you faced on f Saturday night. Like that is a tough decision. So that's a very personal song. That's a road. That's like a, a, a long ride or a right. long road to get there. Right. So I want to get, I want to get to that, but I think that people are going to be, they're going to be wowed by that song. The harder stuff like yeah. that song is sick, but those two right there, those are badass. I mean, the, the speed of the South is killer. Thanks. I don't know. I might have to listen to all 10 of them, and then I'll give Brent my input on the order they should go. I think so, yeah. Sequencing is really important. Hey, Ben, let's not tell Brent Cobb I'm going to do that. Let's just, I'll just, I'll just send him, I'll just send him a note one day. Yeah, here's my sequence. Hey, I'll text him. Probably I'll do it this way. Brent, here's what I think you ought to do for the CB. new hood song. <laughs> CB. <laughs> Tell me, you mean CBD? No. No. CB. No. Chad Belding. Chad Belding, Brent. Esquire. <laughs> 
So we have to wait for Ben to get back. He went somewhere. Is this when you walked into the room with Travis Tritt, you said you weren't intimidated. Mm -hmm. What about Haynes? Was there a little bit being from that part of the country, even though Travis is from Georgia, too? He's a southern boy. It was there a little bit of holy shit. Look who I'm with. Yeah. Haynes was probably more like that because of the fact that, like, you know, it's it's just it's different with him. You know what I mean? Like I was. I, I'm pretty studied on on government mule stuff. I'm pretty studied on, but that but that's when you were talking about guitar players and stuff like that's a pretty legendary guitar player. And that guy works really hard. I mean, he's in like twenty bands. So, um, yeah. I mean, it was uh, granted. You know, I, I do get nervous, but I understand I've got a job to do. I just you know in situations like that, in in every situation, I just want to be prepared. You know what I mean? Who's like, the most you've been smoked by? Who's the one that you just were like? Did you get shaken up with Miranda? Any of them like shake you up at all? No, it took a long time to get songs written with Miranda. I mean, we tried, but I mean, it took it took eight years to get her to cut a song. You know? Really? Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see. Is I, she a nice person? She's a great person. Isn't she awesome? She's awesome. She's yeah. my favorite. Yeah, me, I, me I, too. And I'm being for real when I say this. Like, she's my Dolly Parton. Like, yeah. I, it, I don't mean to sound like an ass, but. I, I, there, she would not take it like there's that. There's not many people. There's not many. God dang it. I don't even know if I should say that. I don't know if there's a lot of females that I enjoy listening to song to song to song, album, album, yeah. album. Miranda, I can listen to everything she does. Yeah. Is that fair to say? Like, or is that oh, yeah. mean to say? No, I think that's very fair to say. Uh, I yeah. think it's fair. And I also think that like it's, and it, and it totally should not be because it should be about talent and, and, and a God's gift to, to bring stuff to people. But like for females, and this has been going on for a long time, even back when they were like, oh, the females are the tomato in the salad bullshit or whatever they did. You know, like... <laughs> tomato in the salad. Yeah, like, I mean, like, that's... it's It's been this bullshit for a long time about females, but, like... But it's really hard for them to break through and, and establish a foundation of a career like Miranda has. And and Miranda just had an up, a num, another number one recently. and. Man. No, like Bluebird, oh, like Bluebird, recently, the, right. lat, the latest one. But, I mean, how many is that, Adam? That's not as many as you would think. What is it? Three, White, four, five, six? So it's, White it's Liar was the first one. And so she had White Liar was the first one. The House That Built Me was the second one. And then... Well, let me uh, ask my assistant. Yeah, we Google. can be friends. I think that was ask the Siri. One. I got an assistant named... Hey, Siri, how many yeah, but not number many. ones has Miranda Lambert had? I have an assistant too, Chad. You're not as special as everybody I said else. Google. <laughs> well, see, she's at, she answers me. There are an estimated 98,276 females with a given name. Good Miranda job. In the US today. Uh, there are an estimated 1,877 males with a given name Lambert in the U.S. today. There are an estimated 831,101 males with a given name. First number one in six years. I would have never guessed that. Uh, Jen, your assistant's way better than mine. By the way, let's just throw that out there to you the just world. Called Jen. I'm Chad. Jen's the assistant. Jen is your assistant. I said, Jen, your assistant is way better than my assistant. I didn't call you Jen. Huh? 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 My assistant is Siri, and she's not as good as yours. Well, I, I guess I'm not going to find it. Miranda Lambert has five number one hits. Yeah, so that's Fif- not that many. 15 top tens. Yeah. 38 hit songs they consider hits. I would have I would have argued that until I was blue in the face when you said that. You would think yeah. she had yeah. 15, 20. 15 to 20 Maybe, number ones. Yeah, Kenny Chesney's got, 
I think Kenny just hit his 31st or 32nd. That's a lot. Yeah. And Kenny Chesney kills it in yeah. a weird way. Yeah. A weird way that dude has done it. Like, that dude has completely done it his way. Yeah. He's badass. Well, that's the, the – you know, we were talking about earlier, the only time I've ever been to Lake Tahoe – I've never been here to Reno, but I've, the only time I've been to Lake Tahoe was just – I was I was out with Miranda, but I was riding, and it was when she was on the on Chesney's tour. It was her and Lady Antebellum. And, I, I told you I was out yeah, there. Yeah, you show. were there. And, I mean, that's the first time I've ever seen him live. It was pretty awesome. I mean, the guy put – he put on a great show. He tears and, up Tahoe yeah. every year. He's good. Yeah. I mean, I you know, it's that's, that's one of those things where, you know, when you can see somebody live and go, oh, okay, I get it you know that's because i'm not a beachy guy you know what i mean and i you know the 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 whole beach vibe i always kind of was was under the you know the 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 school of leave that up to buffett but one time he called out one time up there two three years ago he called out uncle cracker and the dude couldn't even talk like i don't think he'd (laughs) maybe he did and he just had a little too much fun on the bus because he was i believe it and then a year later, I was up there, and he brought out freaking the Red Rocker to do I Can't Drive 55. Yeah. And Sammy comes out, and he must have been. Because Sammy's got he's got a, a, a Cabo Wabo in Harvey's, in Harris uh, Harvey's. Okay. So he's got a tequila bar up there. And, uh, um, dude, he must have been on. I, I don't know how much sauce Sammy gets on uh-huh. when he's on the sauce, but he was lit, dude. And he, <laughs> but he wasn't lit to the point where he could. I'm talking like. Just lit like a Christmas tree. One of the Still most. Performing. In my opinion, I think he's one of the most. He got like a weird rap because he was always compared to who? David Lee Roth. Yeah, it was always Van Hagar. Thing, yeah. Like, yeah, so. I'm a, I'm a David Lee Roth guy. Yeah. So that kind of takes Sammy Hagar out of most people's equation as a real true rock talent. And yeah. he is so <laughs> underrated as a front man and as a vocalist. Like, dude, he has so much good shit yeah. out there. Like, And I discovered that late, later in life, too, when somebody's like, you need to really listen to Hagar's library. He is badass, dude. And I just like him as a person. I just think he's he's got that vibe, you know, like that. Just laid back, yeah. Just laid just back. flops kind of guy. Cool. Yeah. All right, third one of the day. This is, these are not in order. Ben wants me to make sure these is not the order of the album. <laughs> That's the disclaimer. Because we have no idea what the order is. And I have no idea if Adam even knows how to I play these songs. I just told Adam when you were going to the bathroom or whatever you were doing for the 11th time. Hey, um, <laughs> look, 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 look. Nobody's ever, op- nobody, Can I put a disclaimer? Nobody's ever opened my studio door this much in a podcast. Ben, <laughs> ben just comes and goes as he pleases. Hey, I'll be right back. No problem, dude. <laughs> I, I, I will tell you this. My, my grandpa, who was, who has been my, my, uh, my dude. Dude. Yeah, like he. I mean, he's eighty six now, and he's he's in a nursing home, and like he's he's not doing real good. Um, but I I, I I say this all the time to my mom. I was like, I inherited his bladder, um, <laughs> and so yes, I have to go a lot. So okay. I apologize. Um, this is not when you were going to the bathroom. Adam and I agreed that I am going to get the names of the songs after I hear them all in these podcasts, mm-hmm. and I'm going to send Brent Cobb a quick little note and just text him and say, "Hey, here's, are you going to sync this like this record?" I'm going to yeah. say, "Here's the order of it, and please send me a finished copy when you're done." I, and I'm just going to say, "Non-negotiable" at the end. <laughs> Non-negotiable. This is this is my final. I, 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 is, I'm good with that. This is my final. Um, I am, hey. I'm telling you, I could. I'm gonna. I'm gonna be a part of this album. And, I, and the important. fun, the fun thing is, is like, you are maybe or maybe not actually getting to hear the songs, whether or not he remembers them and, and is he's, familiar he's with them. He's done good on them. the first two. Yeah, he's done What's great. What's the third on the first one? I'm gonna guess. Um, I'm gonna get this one right. Two out of three. That's still over six hundred. So, um, can I give you a choice, Adam, or can I give you a choice, Chad? 
Why would you do that? Why are you? Because I'm I'm kind of torn between two. Supposed to be decisive. Um, You're supposed to be a decisive. Yeah. I know that, but yeah, like, but they're so good, and and we we're only two deep, and we got eight more, and we're and, and we're only doing three today, right? We can yeah. do four if you want. I okay. don't care. Um. All right. I just want to have as many episodes with Adam. This is what's so shitty about podcasting over Zoom. How much better do you feel right now on oh, this yeah. podcast than we did on the computer? Oh, so much this fun. is way more conversational. Is it not more fun yeah. and like sip on a beer, talk smack, and like it's so much. COVID yeah. screwed up. Yeah. This life ain't for everybody. We tried our best to keep it rocking, but we had such a good vibe with in-studio guests before. Mm-hmm. And now, and look at this. We built this studio. We opened it, and COVID hits. Is this beautiful or what? It's, this is great. I mean, the it, it really makes the vibe what it what you can hear that it is. And it sounds you know? cool, right? Yeah, it sounds great. It sounds man. good. I mean, Zoom is fine, and I'm okay with it. It's it's a it, as far as the alternative goes. If that's what I got to deal with, I can deal with that. I can deal with it too. I'm not, this is way better. I, yeah. It's just so yeah. much better. Like, that's why Rogan doesn't do anything. He did a few over Zoom. Is that he, right? Yeah, you've seen his new studio he just built in Austin, right? Yeah. Holy shit. I haven't watched any of the new stuff. Yeah, but I've never watched one. I just see some of the stuff he posts once in a while. I did that yeah, before we got hacked on Instagram. I don't even follow him anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it's his fault. His fault. Um, okay, what's the third one we're going with? Don't do it. Ooh. Don't do it is going to be... You're in a fight again with a woman, and you're mm. telling her, don't walk away, don't do this, don't end this. No. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Your guesses are great, though, This is though, such man. a fun game I mean, for me, really because I have that's, no idea really that's either. That's a good game, too. Don't do it is probably the most is, – is, is, is a – is a snuck in line in the middle of the first verse. Like if we called the song "Don't Do It" and like we don't even we don't even repeat it. But it's kind of it's like, "Lady, you know I love you, loving," and and so on and so forth. So don't do it. Don't leave me. But like, don't leave me. You kind of said that, but but you're saying don't like leave a sexier me sexier version. Like don't, don't leave, leave me. me with blue balls. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Well, I need you. Well, need like, it. Jake, cut that this part is not out. A, this is not a. This is not a, a new song either, though, right? This is like the third song I wrote with Brent. So we've had this song around for a long time, and uh, I just I never cut it because I never had the nerve to cut it. Um, we did it. We demoed it, but we did like a demo of it when when Brent and I wrote it. And it yeah, your demo was catalog. great. Yeah, Brent's work tape was not. <laughs> <laughs> why? Oh, never mind. I know why. I think I know why. Well, for, it, it, it was just. It was just. It was. Uh, it just wasn't sellable. Yeah. Hey, before we go on the song, I'm not trying to change subject. I just. Fine. I just got this email. Look at that. That's a back cover of a magazine coming out in the culinary world. That's a our new brand. Oh wow! For the yes. Tom designed that. Is that not beautiful? Tom is a man, dude. Tom is Look so at that. good. No, show Adam that printout. That's, That's what I want to do for Adam. We we need to do some of your design for your new press release for the your new uh, what do you call that media kit for the album or some of the yeah, stuff. Yeah, it's you like put an together? electronic press, like an yeah, EPK. Yeah. You should let Tom yeah. build it. That sounds great to me. I, mean, I will I let Tom do anything he wants. Yeah, to. Well, I then mean, I your work is until great. I see a bill. <laughs> well, I'm and then I realize he's so good. Well, that since, we can't afford since it. Adam always does me favors and plays my gigs, then I'll just comp that. Look at there, and we Dang. can build out a, re, a really rat. Not and I'm you still get the other stuff because for one, like what do I have to offer Tom? Like, oh Tom, come 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 snow skiing in North Carolina no, and Tom, break a leg on some you ice. You don't <laughs> want to snow ski with Tom. You don't Why, want to, is you, Tom the man? Oh, dude, he's the man. You think he's the man? You ought to see his wife ski. 
Oh wow, really? I'm ta- she was a she's an Olympic alternate there, for giant there, slalom. There's two things I've wow. learned flies. about the about hanging out with with Chad's guys out here is like, uh, don't try and be a skier around Tom or a rock climber around Tyson. Or oh, you oh whoa, 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 that, that is that this, that just scratches the surface for Tyson. Don't throw cornhole, cornhole, horseshoes, <laughs> horseshoes. Um, what were we throwing in Arkansas at Duck Camp last year? The, the washers. washers. Yeah, don't do not do anything that has to do with throwing anything with Tyson. Or against my nine-year-old nephew. Yeah, he was uh, smoking uh, everybody. Yeah, you got you got to watch your confidence level about these guys because they're they're sleepers. Yeah, for yeah the, especially with the cornhole. Yeah, Tyson's he's good. He's probably the most consistent player we have on our team here. But Chase at nine years old, holy smoke. He hangs with Tyson most time. Yeah. I just blows my mind. I want to punch. Like, I want to shake him. I'm like, you little arrogant <laughs> Put him in a garbage can and wheel it down the road a little bit. <laughs> Put him in his place, yeah. Because yeah, so before too long, he's going to be too big to do that. So don't do it. Yeah. Is it kind of a – let me second guess. Is like a slight on Nike because of Colin Kaepernick? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Maybe. Oh, Um, let's see. Doggone it. Lady, you know I love your loving. I'm addicted to your kissing and hugging. And if you ever... Oh, I can't remember the chords to it, man. The chords are always weird, and, and that's fine. If you if you can't you, you, you can't, you can't. There's nothing you can do. And if you ever left me, I would be a mess to reckon with. So don't do it. It ain't that I can't find me a heartbreak. I'm a man, but a junkie for the shape of your jeans. And if I saw you walking away, the light in my day would go dark. Treat me like a child, make me cry and have to show it. Well, if love is for fools, I'm a fool of a man. You hold on my cool and the palm in your Pleasing me in the morning, the evening, anytime's good. Whenever you could squeeze me into my kind of heaven. I'm no angel, but the devil sure would come out in me. And if I saw you flying away, the light in my day would go dim. I got my pride, I know you know it. Why treat me like a child? Make me cry and have to show it Well, if love is for fools I'm a fool of a man You hold all my cool In the palm of your hand 
freaking love that too, but I think I'm right. I think it's about a guy that doesn't want his woman leaving, but I guess I was wrong in the sense that they didn't get in a fight. That's right. He's just kind of saying, Don't leave I, me. I never want you to leave me. Don't yeah. do it. Yeah, it is. Don't it, do it. It is saying that. I want to come in on Ben's part and just go be like, Don't do it. <laughs> I love that. That's my favorite part of the song, and that's the hook. Be part of like, the boys' choir. Don't do it. <laughs> Don't you dare do it. <laughs> Man, and 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 honestly, this is a song that we had talked about for the like the past six months before I mean, we even got into the record about like trying to release this song from a demo. Yeah, that was made years ago. I mean, it was made before the shape of things. Like this record, like we would we thought and that about, was what two thousand eleven, two thousand eleven. Yeah, yeah. So shape like, of things was two thousand eleven, mm-hmm. and yeah. they, this song was recorded and demoed before that. And we've been talking like before we got into this record about converting the demo of the song into a master to release as a single to just to throw out there this year and then all the COVID shit hit and um yeah just couldn't make it happen yeah so, so and we so we just recorded and, and just up re-recorded it and put it on the record and 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 he wrote you who'd you write that with I wrote with Brent yeah so what does Charlie Starr do on this on that song? Is he playing? This, is there a steal oh, on that? No, no steal on it. But he played. I, uh, I think he like he he played he played an Esquire a lot, an old like a Fender Esquire. That was a, that was one of his main ones, which is a signature sound. Yeah, and then he played uh, a, a his slide was an old Gibson. Um, Les Paul Junior. Yeah, a Junior. Yeah, because it was a one pickup, and then he played pedal steel, and he played an old mandolin on a song or two. Shout out to Shane Bridges for dropping that mandolin off of the studio, How by old the way. How was that mandolin? This 1929. Yeah, yeah. Pretty cool. So, yeah. And uh, and I was down there um, three weeks ago. It was still in the in the control room. How You're hard is it to me. do what Charlie Starr does for Blackberry? Being, I understand that he's... There are guitarists out there that can sing vocals like that, but he's not a normal guitarist. He's ripping during the show. Oh, he's man. almost like a lead guitarist, lead vocalist. He's got the rhythm. I get that he's got that covered. But he, when I talked to him on the podcast, he's like, ah, not that big of a deal. And I'm like, man, that looks like that looks hard to expand that. Not just the energy, not just remembering the songs and now all the chords and then ripping and the solos and everything. Right. Is it more difficult than he makes it sound? To do for it sure does? it is. For sure it is. I mean, I can watch his Instagram videos. You know, you'll see him every once in a while just like do just bedroom picking and stuff like that. And that guy is is as comparable a bluegrass player as he is a blue player as he is a, a acoustic player electric player I mean he's a I mean the guy played pedal steel I didn't know he, I didn't even know he played pedal steel and he did a spectacular job at it I mean the, he's I don't know if he's a perfectionist I don't know as far as his personality goes he's a great guy to hang out with we got to I mean like I said we grew up that I, I don't know if I've yeah, told you, you. Told me that. yeah so I mean we grew up 20 minutes from each other like same high age. schools you guys as high schools played each other yeah they were the Valley High School was 5A we were 6A you were a punter and Charlie was an offensive lineman. I think so, pretty much. Yeah, Charlie he was, was an offensive lineman. He was Did you play tackle. soccer too? He, no, I didn't. <laughs> soccer. <laughs> we're talking about football. What punter never played soccer? Huh? That's what? a good point. That's true. That's a good point. No, I did not punt. You're welcome. Nor play soccer. He wasn't soccer. a punter. That was a joke. Charlie was not a lineman. <laughs> Charlie was not a lineman. <laughs> Charlie weighs a buck twenty-eight, soaking yeah, wet and wearing sure. boots, dude. For sure. And, and and forty pounds of that's hair. All right, we're going to be back with part two of the new Adam Hood record. We might even have a name for you. I'm, I'm probably going to be the one uh, that's going to ask. I'm going to be asked to name it and put these songs in synchronization order, chronological order. I will take on that challenge. 
uh, Adam Hood's music is absolutely on a different level. I know this new album is going to wow us all. I can't wait to hear it. I have not heard it. These three songs, and when he did Harder Stuff for us before, and he did the Harder Stuff at my birthday party the other night, absolutely amazing so far. I'm excited for it. This has been another episode brought to you by Jack Daniels, Lynchburg, Tennessee. Always enjoy it responsibly. Never allow underage drinking. Thank you, Jack Daniels, for always believing in us. Thank you, Ben and Adam, for making the trek out here and making my 38, 46, 32nd birthday so, <laughs> so memorable. 21, baby. Uh, uh, them new, those new guitar picks are nice, huh? That, yeah, I love them. I love them. They feel great. I'm going to leave these right Can here. we give a yeah, shout out to the company that made them? Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. You know it because I lined it up for you. I, and I'm asking you because you did line you it up. You tell me. <laughs> well, let me. Dadgummit. You tell me. I don't. Well, is it is it on the pick? Yep, right in the bottom. True, true. Something T- tone. Nope. I can't read that. Uh, Come on. My, I don't have glasses on. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> like I about think, the senior I think, says, I, I think it says in tune. It's in, in tune. tune. That's yeah. what it is. In, in tune. tune. Go. Yeah, they're um, they're great. They're great. They're phenomenal. In tune guitar picks are awesome. They look spectacular too. Big shout out. What is our? What is uh? We've done. Brent. Did Brent get his? Brent's got his. I'm a, I got a bone to pick with him. We're calling him when we get out here. We are not going to quit calling him until he answers. Oh, we, we need to call him. Freaking Pony Express, Morse code using son of a bitch. <laughs> I flip phone. I he needs to write it. a song about being on the Pony Express. Well, we might have to send his ass a telegram, but still, we'll get a hold of him tonight. Still being on. Adam, you pick You pick. No, Ben, you pick it. What Adam Hood song are we going to go out of the podcast with? Are we going in person or are we going no, track? No, we not. Uh, oh, we could if he wants to do it. That's a good idea. Go live. This is going to be a live version of an Adam tune Adam Hood tune picked by Ben Ratliff. Well let, let's do let's do the new Charlie Argo cut of uh, oh, Tennessee God. Will. Right. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You please record this. Like, this song just brings tears to my like I just uh, almost keep it rolling Tommy. I almost no will you record this please? Oh me? Oh yeah, yeah. I can do that too. On your phone so I can use it. Just the first line of this song absolutely just puts me into a spot where I love life. Yeah. This is amazing. Thanks, this song man. is absolutely amazing. Hey, thanks for your hospitality this week. Oh, We've sure. had a great You're time. You're welcome dude. anytime. This has been a lot of fun. You're Thank welcome you. anytime. I'm sorry that Ben messed up the coyote. Man. <laughs> God dang whoa, it. Whoa, whoa. Yeah. He was not even in the same <laughs> truck with me. He I was know. on a different property. He still messed it up got, somehow. I know. Ben somehow. got in the good truck and, and took all the... Whatever. Yeah, yeah. I'm telling you, there's a, there's, there's, a, there's a talent, dude. When it gets cold, y'all come back again. Okay. That was Southern. Y'all come back again. You reckon go up over your yonder. Haven't been there in a minute. And by the way, when we when we do, it'll be a minute. It's been a minute. I, have, I said a lot of them yon right holler. Quick. You didn't bring your truck with you, did you? <laughs> I reckon. <laughs> All right, Tennessee All right, Wheel. Thank y'all so much for supporting the partners and sponsors that support us. Please tell your friends and family to subscribe to the podcast. This one, The Foul Life and our brand new one, Where the Payment Ends. We'll be back at you with another episode of This Life Ain't for Everybody. Here is Mr. Adam Hood with the unbelievable song just cut by the awesome Charlie Augo. This is Tennessee Will. Blind man's on an old upright piano Lady in a red on a banjolin Playing songs like old Susanna Getting slower with the jam. I catch a ride on a steamboat, baby. I'll make it home with time to kill. The Mississippi River won't carry me to you. But I know that the Tennessee will.
never did believe in Memphis Really ever was the end of the line So I'm headed back to Alabama Where my heart's been all the time When I know it should be Oh, but still I, I catch a ride on a steamboat, baby I'll make it home with time to kill The Mississippi River won't carry me to ya But I know the Tennessee Catch a ride on a steamboat, baby. 